1: All right. It's the final hour. Jimmy Sangenberger filling in for George Brockler today. News Talk 710 KNUS. Our telephone number 303 696 1971. Tomorrow I'm back at it from six until nine. We are seeing right now on the floor Catherine Clark, Democratic House Minority Whip, just gave her speech nominating Hakeem Jeffries for Speaker of the House. Let's be real. It's all performative. Now, maybe McCarthy's speech will move the needle. He spoke at the end of the last hour on the floor nominating Jim Jordan. We will know soon, once they have their vote, as to whether or not McCarthy's speech made any difference. As of now, I don't think so. It doesn't seem like it. But that is the only speech that might matter on the floor of the House. As they go through additional rounds, any more speeches is a waste of time. Just do the vote and negotiate. Do the vote and negotiate. Do whatever you need to do to get this done and sewed up. Because the House has business to get taken care of. Whether that is aid packages for Israel and Ukraine, which need to be passed. I think the Biden Folks are now proposing $105 billion in support uh, here in a in a sweeping aid package that they have asked for, and I'm not sure what else is included in terms of the components there, but I think it, it's more than just support for uh, Israel and Ukraine. But also, there's the Fiscal situation, the possibility of a government shutdown and so forth. This needs to get sorted out. The vote is underway. Third vote for House Speaker. And before we know it, we will have those results. It'll be interesting to see what happens. And if, for example, Ken Buck changes his vote at any point. 303-696-1971 is our telephone number. If you'd like to join in to the festivities. He's been waiting for a while on hold. Let's go to Ben in Morrison. Good morning, Ben. How are you? Good. How about you? I'm doing just fine. So what's on your mind, sir?
2: Well, I think we absolutely need to have at least some semblance of presence in Ukraine and also in Israel. I agree. Um, and then I also think Jim Jordan probably doesn't have a shot at getting the speakership, so they might need to move on and move on to someone else.
1: So. I, I, I think we'll know more in this third round if anything has changed. If not, I think you're probably right that he will uh, not be speaker. But you never know what is going to happen. It's it's topsy-turvy there. But I want to focus on, because this is what I saw you would originally called about, on Israel and Ukraine. What, what are you looking at here from your vantage point, Ben?
2: Well, I'm looking at Putin, first of all, in Ukraine. His border does not stop in Ukraine. Yes. He's trying to reestablish the USSR. So he's going to go from there, and then if he goes from there, he's probably going to go into the Baltic states, Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia, and look at one of those next. And those are NATO nations. So as soon as that happens, it kicks in an agreement you know, from the NATO allies that we have to respond to this. And what happens if the U.S. decides to duck out of that? Is it shows that the U.S. isn't a trustworthy nation? We can't be relied upon. We're flimsy. We're wimpy. We're, we're we fake our agreements that we've like established with other nations. So that's my issue with that one.
1: Yeah. So and one then, of the does this mean in your mind, Ben, then that by supporting Ukraine at this moment and thereby preventing Russia from being able to expand into other countries, specifically NATO allies, that it prevents the U.S. from having no choice but to get into a direct military conflict, such as troops on the ground and so forth, in pursuance of the commitments that we've made to NATO. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I think that's a good Um, point.
2: And then in Israel, that one's way more complicated, so much more complicated, because right now Hamas, I think Billy pointed – to this a little bit earlier they have this massive network of underground tunnels that yes. are running through that gaza strips where they're holding arms munitions all this other stuff and they're basically using civilians as kind of a human shield or, you Not know, basically, you can't with...
1: literally. They literally are using civilians as human shields, be clear.
2: Yeah, so you can't just do a drone strike and just, we're going to bomb their munitions plant because it might be underground underneath like a hospital or something or a school or, you know, some area, you know, where we can't really like access it if we don't know the access point to those tunnels. So, Um.
1: Well, and this is why Anyways. General Slocum, uh, Doug Slocum, in the in the second hour, in the 7 o'clock hour, uh, pointed out why the delay in the invasion has happened. That is to say why Israel has not yet invaded Gaza, although the government is still letting troops know, hey, be ready, their words, be ready for this invasion. And it is because... There are so many complexities on the ground with the tunnel network and more that you're talking about, Ben, that they have to address things from the air in these ways first. It's like he made the comparison of the first Gulf War and how we were in the air far longer before we made that pivot into having troops on the ground. And there are certain things to be taken care of before you can be ready, tactically speaking, for that ground invasion.
2: Yeah. And the issue is, is Israel is absolutely the minority in that region. You know, they're a Jewish state and surrounded by Muslim countries. The Jewish state. Yeah. Right. If they do anything that comes down like they're looking like a sledgehammer coming down on Muslim people, killing civilians, doing anything that looks atrocious, they're going to make everyone else around them very, very mad. So there's Syria. There's Jordan. They have a bunch of borders with all these other nations. and. You know, like I just I've seen it already here in the U.S. Like there was a kid, I think it was in Chicago, maybe a six year old kid that got stabbed by somebody's landlord. And like, that's how you radicalize people do stuff like that. Well, and this like, is this is why you... the
1: hospital blast was so crucial, because in this in this PR battle, as the general put it, or lawfare fight, and that is because even though Israel did not do a strike on the hospital. It was a misfired rocket from Islamic Jihad. The word was already spread. And for many, it is too late. Israel is responsible, and they're not turning back the clock on that in their minds. This is why Israel does go through, Ben, great, great pains to avoid human uh, casualties among civilians as much as possible.
2: Yeah, I saw that in the news, and I was like, Oh God, please tell me Israel didn't do this. Please tell me Israel didn't do this. And I was waiting to kind of figure out more information on that because I was like, this is just going to kick the hornet's nest if you did that, if you bombed a hospital. So you really have to be very surgical on how you do this stuff, like in that Gaza Strip and make sure you're very, very precise Um, because like I said, you're in the minority in that region and... You know, you have a bunch of people that don't like you.
1: Yeah. No, that's (laughs) true. I'm going to have to run here in a moment, Ben, but I I have a question for you. Did you watch Biden's speech last night?
2: No, I didn't get a chance to.
1: Okay, so I, I played a couple of clips. I think you heard, though, of him making comparisons, bridging together the war in Israel, Gaza with the war in Ukraine. Do you think that it was wise and the right way to go for him to to bring Ukraine into this so much last night, or should he have focused on Israel?
2: I'd keep both of them together. I think it's our international interest to be involved in both of those situations. Um, You know, Israel, we're a stronger ally with, than I think Ukraine, Ukraine is kind of someone we're semi-friendly with, but not like a strong ally. Israel, we're a strong ally, so... Um, you know, I guess it depends on Israel's situation. I'd see what they want to do, how much involvement they want from us and go from there. Whereas Ukraine's a much more simple situation. It's an unprovoked attack from Russia. Both are unprovoked
1: attacks. (laughs) Let's be clear about that. But please continue.
2: But one's a nation state. One's a militant group. Right. um, You know, within the country. Yeah. So you know one's trying to basically take over the country and the other one's also this terrorist you know
1: they want to um, destroy the country they want to eradicate the country in the case they want to
2: eradicate all the jews yes (laughs) so it's one's a genocide situation by probably a small faction you know of the gaza strip and the other one's like an entire nation state actually involving so it's sure
1: Nope, I can I can it's understand different. that. Both are significant. I agree that the U.S. has a need to be involved in providing support to both Israel and Ukraine. Ben, hey, I appreciate the call. Thank you. Have a great one. 303-696-1971 is our telephone number if you want to join in to the conversation. So at some point, who knows, Israel will embark on a ground invasion. It is not time quite yet, but they are saying be Ready. Meanwhile, the fight continues between Hamas and Israel, and it will not end anytime soon. Israel is not going to back down. Now, Biden made it clear in his speech last night about the hospital that we were talking about that it was not, not Israel that did the strike.
0: I also spoke with President Abbas, the Palestinian Authority, and reiterated that the United States remains committed to the Palestinian people's right to dignity and to self-determination. The actions of Hamas terrorists don't take that right away. Like so many other, I'm heartbroken by the tragic loss of Palestinian life, including the explosion at the hospital in Gaza, which was not done by the Israelis. We mourn every innocent life lost. We can't ignore the humanity of innocent Palestinians who only want to live in peace and have an opportunity.
1: So I can understand that point. First of all, saying a little bit about minimizing human casualties among civilians and that this is not about going after all Palestinians. This is about taking on Hamas and Islamic Jihad, which are allies of Hamas, which are also proxies of Israel. And I'm glad that he made the point there and stressed a little bit, hey, this was not Israel that did the strike on the hospital. It was, well, he didn't say it was a misfired rocket from Islamic Jihad. I would have liked him to say otherwise, but at least he clarified this was not Israel. Big thing, I was not concerned or frustrated with him bridging Ukraine and Israel. I think there's reason for that. There's cause for that. But... He did do it a little bit much. I, I would have emphasized Israel more in the speech than he did. However, what bugged me more was the fact that he played this game of both-sidism way too much as far as the Palestinians and the the situation there versus Israel and undercut some of the heinous barbarism. And war crimes committed by Hamas. But I also think he undersold the need to stamp out anti-Semitism right in this moment. We must, without equivocation, denounce
0: anti-Semitism. We must also, without equivocation, denounce Islamophobia.
1: So I, I have nothing against making it clear in general, Islamophobia unacceptable. Anti-Semitism, unacceptable. Racism, unacceptable. The list goes on. Hatred, bigotry in any form is unacceptable. But right now, what we have distinctly in the globe and in this country is a startling rise specifically in anti-Semitism that is growing on college campuses and many other quarters. To the point where uh, there are posters being put up. I've been talking about this. Posters being put up like at New York University showing kidnapped Israelis, Americans, and others who were abducted by Hamas. And those posters being torn down. New York University in London and other places in the United States. Just as one example. The disgusting and vile memes that we are seeing, the comments that are being flippantly made, the 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 way in which we see some politicians talking about Israel and spreading anti-Semitic tropes. Case in point: Tim Hernandez, Colorado State Representative, or Rashida Tlaib, Congresswoman for I think Michigan, right, or or Minnesota. Uh, Michigan, it's uh, uh, Ilhan Omar, who's from Minnesota. And this congresswoman still refuses to acknowledge that Israel did not strike the hospital. Biden should have put his emphasis on anti-Semitism. And that should have been the big focus of his speech relative to any sort of hatred, to Jew hatred that is expanding. And that has been going on for millennia. And that needed to be the point of emphasis. And he played this game of both-sidism or two issues way too much. And that was something that disappointed me in the speech. Maybe I'm making a mountain out on none of a molehill. Give me a call if you agree or disagree. 303-696-1971. But I thought that there was way too little emphasis on the anti-Semitism piece and, and, and too much bringing in other issues. But as for Ukraine, I I don't think he was wrong to link it together. And probably good political strategy. Jordan already appearing to Jim Jordan fall short of the votes needed so far. They still have quite a ways to go. But you already have, by my math here, 12 Republicans who have voted for others, whether that's Steve Scalise, Kevin McCarthy, or others. And so part of the reason that Biden would bring in Ukraine and Israel in the speech was to put Republicans on the spot. Where are you with the House of Representatives and getting your leadership sorted out so you can get your literal house in order and get on these aid packages that are needed and put Republicans on the spot for both Israel and Ukraine? Is smart political strategy in addition to the genuine idea of how these wars are interconnected and how they both matter to U.S. policy. And here's the problem. Republicans are giving rhetorical ammunition to Biden and the Democrats right as we speak. Right at this moment. On the floor of the House of Representatives, Republicans are giving rhetorical ammunition to the Democrats on a potential government shutdown and on these wars. Figure it out, House GOP, because I still don't know which is worse, which is more dysfunctional right now, the House Republicans, the Colorado GOP, or the Denver Public Schools Board of Education. Right at this moment, it kind of seems like the House GOP might be more dysfunctional. Get it together, folks. 303-696-1971, our telephone number. What are your thoughts? Agree? Disagree? Give us a call. You can text in on the 710 KNUS app. On your smartphone, name and town, name and town, if you wish to text in. Keep it right here. I'm Jimmy Sangenberger in for George Brockler, Denver's local talk, later news talk, 710 KNUS. Bottom of the nine o'clock hour, Jimmy Sangenberger in for George Brockler, Tom Petty with you don't know how it feels, Ben I used to be in. We would perform this. I did the harmonica in it and had a really fun extra solo in it. It's a great tune to play that's for darn sure and to listen to. Welcome back again, Jimmy Sangenberger in for George Brockler seven ten k n u s thanks so much for joining us and being a part of the program again our telephone number 303-696-1971 as we continue the conversation and turn to Nick in Denver good morning Nick how's it going
3: good morning thanks for taking my call and you bet. i'm kind of an arm, armchair uh, a military person so i know just enough to be dangerous but <laughs> i think it is i I just think that the Israelis need to take a long pause before they get into Gaza, because the Palestinians have been preparing for this for decades, and it's it's just a... a
1: so has Israel. Ask, and, Let's be clear, though, what? and, and uh, Israel has as well. Israel is constantly preparing, hence things like the Iron Dome. But please right. continue.
3: No, and... and uh, Militarily speaking, the last kind of warfare you want to get into <clears throat> is street fighting, urban fighting, house to house, because your casualties just go through the roof. And I, I just hope they come up with some creative way of neutralizing that whole area to avoid a ground war. That's all. I, yeah. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. I have a kind of some crazy ideas, but the last thing you want... Is for this thing to spiral out of control, and now you have a big war.
1: Well, and and I think, Nick, that Israel is certainly cognizant of this. They don't want that because they know that could be detrimental to not just the short-term interests that they have, but their long-term interests. I mean, we are talking about... A a situation on the ground that is perilous, and as you pointed out, that the this is clearly, I mean, this particular attack Hamas has planned for two years. But this is why, going back to General Slocum and his arguments made in the in the seven o'clock hour. If you missed that, I strongly encourage I you to go check that. the podcast, and I may play some clips tomorrow on my show. But he made the point that, like 1991 for America in the first Gulf War. We had our error component first for as long as that needed to be and to to do that strategically and and, and very well. And then we were in position to send in the ground troops. Israel, he said, is making that same calculus and doing things by air and so forth as much as they can before they go in with a ground invasion, which is why the invasion has not happened yet. There will be a point in time soon at which – the Israelis need to do something on the ground, but they're not haphazardly going to do it in accordance with the argument I think that you're making, Nick.
3: Uh, one of the people that I listen to very uh, as much as possible, and I think you might agree, is Dennis Prager, because he does a lot of insightful – he really does a lot of thinking about uh, uh, topics. And he basically said that you have one intractable problem in the Middle East, You've got a group of countries that would like to see every Jew dead, and the other country wants to just survive. And as long as you have that mindset, you've got a problem. You've got a serious problem, and that's that's what the Israelis are up against. The other side wants them all dead. They don't want them to survive. They don't want their little bitty country. They just want them dead and gone. Right. That's what you're up against.
1: No, that's true. It's from the river to the sea, they say, that, and that, that specifically that. refers to the eradication of Israel and supplanting it with a Palestinian state. Yes. And yeah. by the way, that kind of rhetoric is perpetuated by Americans like the Democratic Socialists of America and State Representative Elizabeth Epps has tweeted that out in the past. Like it's, it's – it's that anti-Semitism is alive and well. And it is, it is disgusting alive and well here in the United States. And, and unfortunately, yes. Yes. Yes, it is Ugh, tragic. Uh, Nick, hey, great call. I appreciate it. Thank you. Take care, we also have a listener text coming in saying Israel has a lot of experience with house to house. Yes, that's true. They certainly do, but they know what the conditions need to be before they can send their troops in and start doing house-to-house and hospital-to-hospital or whatever it is. They know what those conditions will need to be before they take that step. Going back to my concerns about Biden going way too far in terms of comparisons last night, uh, uh, basically putting on the same level playing field right at this moment, anti-Semitism and Islamophobia. John and Littleton, thank you for saying your name in town. I do appreciate it in your text saying is this Biden's good people on both sides moment uh in some respects uh, you know you could you could see that sort of situation i don't think he went that far it wasn't pro hamas but it was it was similar in the sense of let me put in an equation and not just focus on the particular group that is aggrieved right now, but broaden it out into these other aspects, and and I think that was a mistake on his part. Then here's a question that came in earlier from Don in Salisaw, Oklahoma, formerly Aurora. Again, thanks for the name and town in your text, Don. Jimmy, are you going to talk about Ken Buck's speaker vote? What is his plan to move forward? Is it time to primary buck? I still have interest in Colorado and will support the opposition in a primary. I don't know. I mean, we'll have to see. But right now, how is this a a, a primary when you don't have – I guess you have one guy who's announced who I'd never heard of. um, But you don't really have a primary going on here. Jimmy, I
4: got a question for the texter on that one Why is this a primary issue? Why is a primary this, issue yeah, oh, Why yes. is this the linchpin that you're like Oh, ah. he's not voting for Jim Jordan Or he's not voting for this Why is this the primary issue for you? Because remember This was a move by Matt Gaetz and his friends In order to weaken McCarthy And it was a move done solely by Matt Gates without any plan beyond removing McCarthy that put us
1: in this situation. This is not Buck's well, fault. Well, y- you know what? You know what's striking? Now, Buck was one of the eight, though, who did vote to remove McCarthy. So, they're, they're, but folks can look at it from either way. I, I, it's, I, just, I, it's just striking to me that people who are attacking Ken Buck now for not getting on board with Jim Jordan were praising him and saying it's great that you voted to remove McCarthy just two weeks ago.
4: If if Matt Gates doesn't move to vacate, Buck doesn't get yes, to vote. That's absolutely and that's right. That's the core. Yes. That's the core for me. Yes. Is stop talking about what Buck did after the vote. What was the impetus? What was the action? It, for me, I hear it like people. I, I hear it from the the Rashida Tlaibs and everybody else in the attack that Hamas uh, that, that that launched. That they turn around and go. But look at how horrible they had been treated by Israel, and look at this. And don't you understand that 15 years ago this happened? That, again, was 15 years ago. You're beginning to rationalize at that point, and you're trying to lessen what happened with the attack. And the idea that, well, well, Buck voted to vacate, he wasn't responsible for the motion to vacate. Now, he had his reasons to vacate, but you know what? If the Republicans were more of a coalesced group, you guys wouldn't have this. Yes! It yes, would, it the, would not happen. You, if,
1: if the Republicans had their literal house in order, McCarthy wouldn't have taken 15 votes and weakening his speakership by that 15th vote with each vote getting to that point. He weakened his speakership, putting him in this position because he over promised, under delivered. He got tossed out and now. Buck is getting the flack because he's not supporting the guy that some folks have said needs to be the next speaker.
4: And let's let's just look at what the Democrats did when they were in power. Pelosi wasn't everybody's favorite, but she got everybody in line. And she said, this is how I'm going to lead. Then when it was time to get somebody else, it was Hakeem Jeffries. There was a little bit of discussion there. But Jeffries didn't go through any of this rigmarole. It is not Ken Buck's fault that the, that the Republican conference in the House can't pick a leader that will get a majority right. of the
1: votes. Well, that is on the conference. And, <laughs> and Bill, I, I didn't see the, the total sense. I know yeah. it went up. But when I checked earlier, there were 12. And I assume if Buck voted when his name was called that he voted for somebody else. But there were at least 12. Which is more than enough to sink it, and and Buck could have voted for Jordan, and it wouldn't have made a bit of difference. No. Again,
4: you you, you can lose five. Five. And the GOP needs to stop and smell themselves and realize the stink that is beginning to emanate from the body because over and over again... The Democrat, Hakeem Jeffries, is getting more votes
1: for speaker. Right. And to the average American who's hearing about this and doesn't pay attention to politics, then they can see and be like, wait a second. The Democrat guy got more votes than anybody else, and yet he's not the speaker. This yeah. is weird. Uh, but but here's the other the other piece to this. Michael Barone made this point, astute observation as he always does, in the first hour of course, Senior Political Analyst for the Washington Examiner. And he pointed out that in 1998, I think it was, Speaker of the House Newt Gingrich was expecting and hoping to become the Speaker. He realized after their vote behind closed doors, I don't have the votes. So he bowed out, and I think that's when Denny Hastert was put up and became the Speaker of the House. Yeah, and That was a political under a recognition of the political situation on the ground as it were within the republican caucus
4: that is a great example because let's compare and contrast that to what has been going on this past two weeks Uh, we have heard through reporting that jim jordan challenged scalise and said you don't get to go to the floor and ask for a vote or we don't get to do this unless you can guarantee you can get the 217 we shouldn't do this this is bad form jordan's now gone three times so what he said I did he not said, hear that I you know, did not what, hear that What that he was said was a principle to him and saying in challenging Scalise to not go to the floor he's now done the
1: opposite I'm sorry I, figure it out Wait 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 are you saying that Yeah <laughs> Jim Jordan took a principled stand in opposition to Steve Scalise and then did violated the his principles Yes absolutely within mm. within days within
4: days of what he said the principle is he decided to do something different that, just, that's
1: an issue. That's look, a real issue. But here's the thing. This isn't just about Jordan, just about McCarthy, just about Gates. There are, what, 217 Republicans or however many Republicans yeah. there are. Or I think 217 yeah, is the 217, number of vote. Yeah. Is it 224? Yeah. Whatever, whatever it is. There are over, over and above 220 Republicans in the House who all have some responsibility for this. And it is an embarrassment to the GOP, whether you are in the so-called establishment wing or you are an anti-establishment rebel or your Tea Party or your MAGA or whatever. You should be embarrassed by the Republican Party right in this moment in the House of Representatives that can't even get a leader while our ally Israel is at war against terrorists and when we have the prospect of Republicans getting blamed for a government shutdown that Bill, the American people, in poll after poll, were ready to blame Biden for.
4: Yeah, they were ready, and now it won't happen that way. There was an interview yesterday, uh, Fox News, I forget the uh, Republican representative, but he said this needs to be solved behind closed doors. He said he is not taking a position on who the speaker should be. His argument is that the GOP needs to figure out What is the role and what monies do we need to allocate for Ukraine, if any? What's the role of monies and what do we allocate for Israel? What's our support there? What is the role and what are we doing as far as the budget? How do we get the budget passed through the Senate? What is going to be reasonable? Stop passing these these budget spending bills that are never going to make through the Senate. What is the path forward? He says he doesn't care... Who that individual is. But those things need to be settled. Because if they aren't settled before you get a speaker. Then that becomes a public disagreement. And you're not moving forward. He said we're going to face the same paralyzation. We had under McCarthy. So
1: his suggestion was hash out. The terms of discussion on those issues, then get the speaker who negotiates knowing what the Republicans have agreed. Yeah, like Mm. the idea of actually, I don't know, it seems silly. And maybe the Denver
4: Broncos should think about this. But having a game plan set out on paper Before you walk onto the field. And that's what he's asking for. He's asking for the Republicans to come together and have a game plan. Not a list of desires and hopes and wishes and dreams and complaints. Have a plan. Understand what is possible. Understand where their leverage is. And understand what they can and be realistic about what they can't get. And you know what? Uh, People that are sitting on the curvy couch on Fox started yelling at him, You just need to vote! And he's going, no, because the vote is irrelevant if once we have a speaker, regardless of the last name of that speaker, if they
1: can't bring these issues across the finish yeah, line. But, but here's the other problem, Bill, is if they can't agree on that, cannot, and cannot agree to this point on a speaker, to at least get the prospect that you could have some – theoretically, bipartisan agreement in the House uh, where Republicans and Democrats come together on what to do with these appropriations packages, which some Republicans, moderate Republicans, may feel is necessary at a certain point because this has gone on far enough. You need to have a speaker in order to do that. So somebody could argue, let's get the speaker and then get that sorted out because we can't move ahead with any legislation until we have a speaker. I would just say Not good politics for the Republicans, I just, but I would just say that
4: Have you been watching for the past 10 months? Because that's been the plan. Mm -hmm. And that has worked how how well? Mm -hmm. How well has that worked out for Republican agendas? How well did that work out with the last budget showdown? But
1: how is it necessarily going to be any better when – you know you're behind closed doors and, and what i'm saying is the republicans are damned if you do damned if you don't well here's the idea
4: if you behind closed doors can't come up with a game plan and a strategy that is going to be effective you can create a strategy it can it can be john payton could create a strategy for the broncos and say this week no linemen and 17 wide receivers Not going to be effective, but it is a strategy. It's a strategy you can try. You can run out on the field and go for that. Let's see how it works out. But just having a strategy isn't necessarily workable that way. So you have to make sure that it's going to get you across the finish line. And if the GOP can't do this behind closed doors, what leads us to believe they can do it in open? And the other part is is, let me know why... You are there but, because you're not there. They're not there to get clicks on social media. Yes. They're not there to make to make speeches on Fox News
1: or well, elsewhere. That's the thing. They're Jordan. there to govern. Jordan, govern. Jordan is the best when he is that sort of bulldog on television. That is not the role of a speaker of the House. You don't get to go as chairman of the. A judiciary Committee, and grill a guy in front of you when you're Speaker of the House. you got to be doing the machination. So here's the thing. Yeah. They can agree behind closed doors on what to do with an Israel and Ukraine package and what their limitations are there. Speaker gets in there, and then what about the other issues? What yeah. about the other things that will crop up, and you don't have a Speaker who can manage that?
4: Yeah, and it is. And, and if, the, if you can't figure it out for my money, if the GOP can't figure this out behind closed doors, go home. Stop voting. You can't govern. If you can't figure it out between the group of you, then you're worthless. There's no reason for you to exist. And there's no reason for you even to show up on Monday to do your job because you've proven over and over again you can't. This isn't about necessarily your principles and ideas. This is about you governing. And, yeah, I'm sorry. Sometimes compromise is inevitable and you don't believe me okay let's go back to the founding fathers let's talk about the argument between the Federalists and non federalists talk to me about compromise if you think that this country was not founded on compromise
1: you don't know your history this reminds me as a new york giants fan of when plaxico burris shot himself in the foot uh that's exactly what's happening hey bill you got a text in i nominate billy for speaker of the house if nominated, Bill, please don't Tell accept. My mom high. <laughs> if nominated, please do not accept that. I don't wish that on you, brother. Not even you, Bill Thorpe. We're going to take a break. Final segment on the other side. Moving along quickly. Jimmy Sangenberger in for George Brockler. 710 KNUS. Wrapping up and winding down. Jimmy Sangenberger in for George Brockler today. Back in the saddle tomorrow from 6 until 9 with the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. News Talk 710 KNUS. Jim Jordan has done worse on this ballot than before. I am not great with math. So let me do a little math. 25. 25 Republicans have voted. For others, on Tuesday it was 20, on Wednesday it was 22, two days later after McCarthy gave his speech pitching Jordan, after Jordan himself went and did a press conference today, it's now even worse at 25. There's a high-pressure campaign that's been built from talk radio to the Colorado GOP pressuring on the buck to colleagues and Jordan's team making phone calls, doing what some Republicans have called blackmail, these strong-arming tactics, and they aren't working People are being pushed away more and more from Jordan. This is not a positive sign. With McCarthy, when we went through the 15, he was already winning votes, slowly but surely. Jim Jordan is losing votes. I like Jordan. Cool with him as Speaker. Been saying that these past couple days. But if you can't add to your coalition and instead are subtracting from it, That ain't a good sign for leadership. And the problem with Washington, D.C. right now more than anything else with politics in general is the massive egos of those in office. Even as the world seems to crumble beside us. I'm Jimmy Sangenberger in tomorrow morning again from 6 to 9. You got Deborah Flora and then Stefan Tubbs all starting at 3, continuing live and local conversations. I'll see you tomorrow morning. Have a great weekend and may God bless America.